on it. From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Good evening and thank you so much for joining us on this Friday edition of Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss. Honored to be sitting in this evening for Tony Perkins. I am the uh, senior advisor to the president here at Family Research Council, and it's an extreme privilege to be sitting in for him this evening. We've got a tremendous program lined up for you this evening, and you don't want to miss a bit of it. We will begin by talking about the infamous balloon, the Chinese surveillance balloon that has now breached U.S. airspace, obviously collecting intelligence over the state of Montana. Probably some within the Biden administration may think this is more inflation news, but uh, no, I'm afraid it's much more than that. Uh, the Pentagon says they're monitoring the situation closely. While we won't get into specifics in regards to the exact location, I can tell you that the balloon continues to move eastward and is currently over the center of the continental United States. Again, we currently assess that the balloon does not present a military or physical threat to people on the ground at this time. And we'll continue to review, uh, excuse me, continue to monitor and review options. Not very uh, convincing to me. That was Pentagon Press Secretary Brigadier General Pat Ryder earlier today. So the big question is, what are the national security concerns? Joining me a little bit later in just a few moments is Montana Congressman Matt Rosendale, and we'll be discussing that. Then Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. He was planned to visit Beijing next week to try to lower some of the tensions between the two superpowers, but now, for obvious reasons, that trip has been canceled. Uh, what are the broader implications? China expert Gordon Chang will join me a little bit later to discuss that. And then I don't know if you saw, but yesterday this kind of went under the radar, but the House of Representatives passed a resolution denouncing socialism. Obviously, that's an ideology that's led to brutal dictatorships, uh, unspeakable poverty, and the death of millions of people. Let's be very clear. Communism and socialism have limited freedoms, stymied economic innovation and opportunity, and limited prosperity and left the very people it claims to help in a permanent state of poverty and government dependence. That was conservative-leaning freshman representative Michael Lawler of New York, whose wife, by the way, left a former communist country. So he knows what he's talking about. You would think that a resolution denouncing socialism would get unanimous support. And yet, a hundred Democrats could not bring themselves to condemn that very system. Is, is this due to a broader trend uh, that we're told of younger voters who are opposing capitalism? Well, we'll discuss that a little bit later in the program with socialism expert Larry Taunton. And then we have a Florida church that has literally created a media firestorm simply by professing biblical views of gender and sexuality. But what happened next is truly remarkable, and it's become a national story. The First Baptist Church of Jacksonville, Florida, senior pastor Heath Lambert will be joining me later in the program to share his experience. And just a reminder, uh, if you miss any part of this evening's program or you'd like to check out some other programs, 
that are archived, you can always do so by going to TonyPerkins.com. So again, if you miss any part of the program today, be sure to check it out on the website. All right. With little happening in uh, Washington today because uh, our representatives are gone, the, the surveillance balloon from China absolutely is penetrating uh, the news as it is also penetrating U.S. airspace. Uh, the, the spokesperson from the uh, Chinese foreign military said it's just a civilian airship used for research. Uh, they, they said that China regrets that this is this unintended entry into the airspace of the United States. Doesn't that make you feel better? We're all glad that this is just a civilian airship. They also said that it was monitoring the weather for research. And now we're all supposed to feel good about that. But the truth of the matter is that this has breached U.S. airspace. And I can't help but think of... Uh, the many trips that I personally have made to the southern border to see how porous our southern border is and how easy it is for who knows who to enter our southern border is that problem indicative of now other countries saying the southern border of the United States is open. What else is open? Maybe their airspace. Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is U.S. Representative Matt Rosendale. He's a member of the House Freedom Caucus, as well as the uh, Veterans Affairs Committee and the Committee on Natural Resources. He represents the 2nd Congressional District of Montana, where this balloon currently is located. So, Congressman Rosendale, great to see you again. Thank you for joining us on Washington Watch. Jody, it is great to see you again, my friend. We miss you. We miss you badly. Well, thank you so much. But uh, listen, thank you for staying in the battle. You're a tremendous leader. Let's jump into this, uh, Matt. Uh, first of all, your reactions. What, what did you think when you first heard that a, a Chinese aircraft had breached U U.S. airspace? First of all, you wonder what type of craft it is. And we were very slow to get information that it was actually some type of a balloon, a high altitude balloon. So my initial thought is at least we don't have to worry about our local air traffic running into it because this thing was operating at somewhere between 65,000 feet and 80,000 feet. So you want to think of the, the immediate uh, problems that could be causing. And then I started trying to extract as much more information as I possibly could from my uh, adjutant general from the National Guard, the uh, commanding officer at Malmstrom Air Force Base, which is the Air Force Base in the north central part of Montana that's actually responsible for those 140 uh, inter, uh, ICBMs. Uh, the missiles, the nuclear missiles that we are uh, have in place to protect our nation. And, you know, you, you want to get this information and from the Pentagon. And unfortunately, Jody, uh, th there has not been a lot of information uh, forthright, okay, coming at very rapid of a pace. And so I uh, received no sense of comfort from General Ryder's press conference that he put on today because he didn't give a lot of information. He said that the... Uh, the military acted immediately to uh, protect sensitive information. How do you protect sensitive information that's spread across hundreds and hundreds of miles of Montana landscape? That's where the missile field is located. How do you protect sensitive information that's being collected from a, a balloon that's operating at somewhere between 65,000 and 80,000 feet that's above one of our 
uh, most um, guarded um, Air Force bases that, that are uh, responsible for those nuclear missiles. Um, so, and then for them to say that they're not going to give an hour by hour report on where this balloon is located is absolutely d disgraceful that we have to get the reports from the National Weather Service to tell us where this spy balloon is traveling around our country. It's unbelievable. And listen, I share your concerns uh, a, a thousand percent. And, you know, I think it's important for our viewers and our listeners to understand we're not just talking about a balloon. This thing is the size of like two school buses. It's really, it's large, it's loaded with sensors, uh, and it's, it's monitoring a lot of things. And so this is an enormous concern that it's in U.S. airspace right now. And uh, Montana is a key place for so much of our, our nuclear capabilities and assets. So what are you hearing from citizens in your district, citizens there in Montana? Well, they started uh, seeing this uh, thing in the sky, obviously. Uh, we do watch the sky. We don't have a lot of buildings in the way. And so they started bringing the reports in to see what was going on. Uh, we had reports that the um, airport in Billings had been shut down and Bozeman had been shut down for short periods of time while they were scuttling some, some aircraft out there to uh, check this uh, balloon out. Uh, my question is, where did it come from? Uh, how long has it been in the United States airspace? Why wasn't it detected as soon as it entered from probably Washington and, and came across or, or from Canada? Who's operating it? Where are they operating it from? And, and then finally, Jody, why can't we bring it? Look, if you can't shoot it down because you're worried about what type of gases or what kind of chemicals might be in the balloon itself, why can't we somehow bring this thing back to Earth and then take the equipment that's on it and, and do that analysis, do some reverse engineering, find out what's going on it, instead of just allowing it to continue to um, travel across the entire nation. Again, fortunately, the National Weather Service told us that at this point, it is somewhere over Missouri uh, heading east. Uh, you know, bring it down and, and determine what's going on. And then send Lincoln to the Chinese Communist Party and let them know that we're not going to tolerate this type of activity. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it takes rocket science. You know, the Pentagon said that uh, the, the, this thing does not pose any threat for U.S. intelligence to be compromised because they're tracking it. Well, that's not, that's not enough for me. Uh, all right, just because you're tracking it, does not mean that this thing does, is not posing some sort of threat to our national security. What, what, what are your thoughts on what the Pentagon said? I, I've received no sense of comfort from General Ryder today, and I'm still waiting to hear back. We issued a letter to the Pentagon asking for this briefing. I've received no sense of comfort or uh, information to, uh, to help us figure out what's going on here so that they're tracking it Okay, what what information is this balloon and the Chinese Communist Party gathering as it goes across our country? Is it? Is well, let, it me, let me stop you there. Let me stop you there if I can, because that's a that's a, a question. I really like to have have your thoughts on this. The the public may not fully understand uh, that the ability already exists to spy via satellite. Okay, we know uh, China is looking at at our assets and lo looking at things. 
uh, through satellite. But what type of information do you think could be captured from this balloon? See, that's what I don't know. And that's why I have more questions at the end of this day than I have answers. What information can they gather from that balloon and what information are they gathering? Are they uh, taking information about our refineries, our pipelines, our infrastructure, our vital infrastructure, uh, detecting where the different um, places that are vulnerable when it comes to our power grid? There are so many pieces of information that they might be gathering right now. Uh, we have this rip and replace program that's going on right now with all of the Y-Way uh, technology that had been placed in our cell towers. So we finally have recognized that that needs to be replaced to keep the Chinese from collecting data and spying on us. Well, what what else are they looking at to see what they can do us harm? Look, we've Tony, got, we've got this. The Chinese Communist yeah, we, Party wants to be the global power, and, and they are absolutely. not they're not sending that balloon across our country to check and see what wind conditions are uh, in the Midwest. Absolutely. We've got about 30 seconds. Congressman, uh, you've been heavily involved on the southern border issues as well. Uh, is it fair to compare the breach of U.S. airspace with our poorest southern borders? It is. And now we are also getting numbers, Jody, that the northern border is starting to have just the extreme amount of pressure as well. The uh, the illegal crossings have gone from two to 3,000 a year to up to 100,000 a year. So this country is being invaded on all sides. Thank you so much, Congressman Rosendale. We're going to have to leave it there. Thank you so much for leading the way on so many issues. Great to see you again. God bless you, Coming Jody. We'll continue our discussion on the China surveillance balloon. China expert Gordon Chang joins me right after the break. You don't want to miss it. This is critical information. Thank you. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how his word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and he has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online Center for Biblical Worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's Word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview.
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, sitting in this evening for Tony Perkins. We appreciate you being with us. We're going to continue our discussion about China. This is an extremely important development that we must stay on top of. Uh, The State Department announced today that Secretary of State Antony Blinken is going to postpone next week's scheduled trip to Beijing. Of course, that was intended to try to soften the tensions between the two superpowers and would have actually marked the first high-profile visit by a senior U.S. diplomat since 2018, which, of course, was before COVID originated in Wuhan. Uh, But the question is, what kind of conclusions can we draw from all of this? Joining me now to react to this and more is Gordon Chang. He's the author of the book, The Coming Collapse of China and the Great U.S.-China Tech War. You can, in fact, follow him on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang, and we encourage you to do so. But, Gordon, thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch. Always good to have you back. Well, thank you so much, Congressman. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. So let's jump into this. Before we actually get into the diplomatic and policy implications of a Chinese aircraft above the United States and Secretary Blinken uh, postponing his trip, uh, I'd like to know your initial reaction when you first heard the news of this situation. Well, certainly the balloon um, incident uh, indicates that the Chinese did not want to talk to Secretary Blinken, didn't want to talk to the U.S., because this is an obvious provocation. Sending a balloon over a U.S. Air Force base, which houses intercontinental ballistic missiles, and loitering there is a real affront to the U.S. And they had to know that Blinken would have had to have canceled his trip, or at least postponed it. And, And what's even worse is that Uh, NORAD, um, the U.S. Air Force, um, is actually tracking a second balloon that is headed our way, pretty much on the same track that the first one is. And that's a real indication that the Chinese want to provoke a conflict, because otherwise the question is, why would they do something like that at this particular time? Okay, what you bring up is an extremely important point, and I want to go a little bit further in both of them. Uh, Number one, you said they seemingly are intending to uh, be provocative in what they're doing here. The question, obviously, is why. Uh, And why would they want to cancel next week's trip with uh, Secretary Blinken? That's a great question, and I don't have the answer to that, Um, though I can probably speculate that Xi Jinping, the Chinese ruler, 
um, who's got full accountability, has a number of crises on his hands that he cannot solve. So, for instance, he has uh, continuing debt defaults, plunging property prices, contracting economy, worsening food shortages, deteriorating environment, and, of course, the COVID-19 outbreaks. And maybe he wants to distract the Chinese people from policy mistakes which he can't solve. Um, that's one possible explanation. I'm sure there's other things that are going on. The Chinese political system, Congressman, has gotten more and more opaque over the last couple of years. So we know less and less what's going on in Beijing. Well, then let's bring it back here a little bit. Uh, there's been, in some regards, very, very little communication coming from the Biden administration and the Pentagon. Uh, but then there have been some remarks, I, I think, uh, largely unsatisfactory. But overall, what, what do you make of the response at this point from the administration and the Pentagon? I think that it is clearly um, inappropriate. Um, here we have um, a Chinese surveillance craft now hovering over um, the United States, heading eastward. And there really is no response except to watch it. This should have been shot down well before it reached the United States, because the track of this balloon took it over Canadian territory, uninhabited Canadian Canadian territory, for hundreds and hundreds of miles. There was plenty of opportunities to intercept it, but they didn't do it. And, you know, one indication is maybe the Chinese wanted to humiliate the United States um, in the eyes of the world, saying that the Biden administration could not defend American airspace. And, you know, that's not an unreasonable interpretation right now because we seem to be paralyzed. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, the, the fearful thought that I, we're, we're talking a balloon. This is not like a major uh, Air Force type invasion of our airspace. It's a relatively slow moving balloon and we've let it come. And like you said, I was looking at the path of this thing uh, er earlier today. And yeah, there were multiple opportunities to deal with it. Uh, that said, Secretary Blinken has canceled his trip to Beijing. Uh, and I would like to get your reaction. Here's what the State Department spokesman, Ned Price, had to say uh, yesterday about That's that planned trip. That's always what we do when we engage the PRC. Uh, we speak and act in ways that uh, protect and promote our interests and those of uh, the broader international community. Uh, as we seek uh, to see to it that the competition that really is at the heart of our relationship isn't in a position to uh, spiral into conflict. Wow. All right. Your reaction to that? I, I first of all, thought even before the balloon incident, Secretary Blinken should not have gone to uh, plan to go to China because there was nothing that he could really accomplish there, given the nature of um, the discussions that we have seen from China. Um, so uh, what this balloon incident did was to break that off. And it's probably going to break it off for quite some time, especially if there are multiple um, balloon craft. This, this is a real indication that China just, for one reason or another, is not ready to deal with the international community on a good faith basis. And we have to understand that China is preparing for war. And it's unfortunate, but we need to prepare as well, because the Chinese, for various reasons, can take us by surprise right now. We don't have a sense of urgency. We're not understanding the way the Chinese think. And this is just a recipe for a historic disaster. Well, that's what concerns me, uh, Gordon. I've got to tell you, the 
the realization that we seem to be so lackadaisical in this and allowing this thing just to continue its path. We've got about 30 seconds or so left. Where do we go from here? Uh, what should State Department, uh, Defense Department, what should be the actions at this point? Well, if I were President of the United States, I would order Secretary Blinken to go to Taipei instead. And I would then start to cut relations with China. We need to impose costs on China for clearly belligerent behavior. We haven't done that. And because of that, the Chinese continue with belligerent conduct that could really lead to global war. Gordon Chang, always great having you on Washington Watch. We appreciate your perspective. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Congress. You're very welcome. All right, coming up, the House of Representatives have passed a resolution denouncing socialism. You might be surprised to find out just how many did not condemn socialism. Stay tuned. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. We appreciate you joining us this evening. There was a House resolution condemning the horrors of socialism that passed yesterday. And you would think this would be a unanimous type of resolution, but there were 86 Democrats voting no, and there were another 14 who voted present. Uh, this, this is shocking. Uh, and who knows the reason behind it all? We do want to dig into that a little bit further. Uh, there is some polling that would indicate that upwards of 50 percent, I've actually seen some polling that says a little bit more than 50 percent of millennials and Generation Z have a somewhat or very unfavorable view of capitalism. But we know from history 
that socialism is an ideology that demands a concentration of power that inevitably leads to communist regimes, uh, to totalitarian rule, to brutal dictatorships. And so at the end of the day, you wonder how could anyone support this? Well, joining me now on the phone from Europe uh, to help unpack of all of this is Larry Taunton. He's an author. He's a columnist. He's the executive director of the Fixed Point Foundation. He is a student of Soviet history and certainly uh, can offer a perspective on how that compares with the events of current day uh, that we have here in the United States. So, Larry, welcome back to Washington Watch. We appreciate you joining us. How are you, Jody? I'm doing great. Doing great. Thanks for being on the program with us here. I know it's late where you are. We appreciate very much you you, uh, taking your time. All right. We've got 100 Democrats who either wouldn't or somehow couldn't bring themselves to cast a vote condemning the horrors of socialism. Is that the real story here? Well, you know, from their side of it, Jody, let's let's consider for a moment their argument. What they are saying is that this is political theater, and certainly there's an element of that. I mean, insofar as that this is a non-binding resolution, does it change policy in the United States? No. Is it is it passing something into law? No. But a resolution like this is a good opportunity to get everyone on record stating their view on the subject of socialism. And socialism isn't defined in this resolution, which is somewhat problematic. It gives some loose, uh, you know, uh, uh, definition to the consequences of socialism. But here was an opportunity really to make a strong statement uh, to those immigrants in the United States who come from socialist backgrounds, who came to this country, or rather, the country where you are right now, I'm, I'm presently in Italy, uh, I, which, by the way, has a very scary socialist um, past history. But here was an opportunity to get on record and state to those people, hey, don't worry. This country isn't going to become like the country you left. It isn't going to become like Vietnam. It isn't going to become like China. It isn't going to become like Russia. We're not going to do those. We're not going to become like Cuba. We're not going to do those things. And yet there were still plenty of American a congressman who wouldn't go on record condemning it. Yeah, it's really amazing. In fact, I want to play a clip for you uh, and get your response. This is from conservative-leaning freshman congressman Mike Lawler from New York. Uh, Actually, his wife uh, literally left a former communist country. Let's play the clip. To be clear, this resolution is not about Social Security or Medicare, two programs with broad bipartisan support. It is about a sick ideology that has destroyed nations, ruined lives, and resulted in death and destruction around the world. Well, that says it, doesn't it? Your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, it does. Listen, uh, socialist regimes, which is to say atheistic, secular regimes, killed no less. I think the resolution says 100 million. That's a conservative number. Those regimes killed no less than 125 million people in the 20th century alone. Now, that's more, Jody. That's more than all uh, previous centuries' wars, religious wars, combined. 
So this is the danger of this ideology. It's a, it's always an attempt to create a um, you know utopia on Earth. And 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 the danger of the ideology, Jody, is because it sees human beings not as having intrinsic value. Rather, it sees them as really just the raw material, the the brick and mortar for building the socialist utopia. Larry, we've only got a little over a minute left, and I guess to some extent they could also argue that they're following the polls, that uh, some polls are showing some millennials and Gen X uh, generation uh, are leaning towards socialism. And, you know, I mean, certainly some of these folks, uh, and, and yeah, they are. And certainly many of them are living in the economic days we're living in in, uh, now and so forth. Uh, But what are they missing? There's so much more involved here than this. Again, we've just got about 30 seconds. Yes, Jody, listen, in my last book, if I can make a little plug here, it's called Around the World in More Than 80 Days. Around the World in More Than 80 Days. And what I did, Jody, is I went around, I've been in over 60 countries. And I wrote this book as a way of saying to those generations, millennials and Gen Zers, who, you know, polls show that only 31% of Americans have ever been out of the country. And it was my way of seeking them on a tour around the world to those places, to China, to Vietnam, to Russia, to Cuba. I've been in them all. And to say, listen, I know you're being sold a bill of goods about America. But it's a lie. The people in those countries want to come here. And by the way, most of those Larry, we're going to have to leave no it there. Actually is. Thank you so much. Larry Tom, thank you so much for your expertise. And thank you for coming on Washington Watch with us this evening. Coming up, I'll discuss one church's unique response to a firestorm of local media. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned to Washington Watch. We'll be back right after the break. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. 
Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, filling in this evening for Tony. Before we get to our next guest, I want to take just a moment to share something I believe is very important and, frankly, uh, would ask for your help. Over the past couple of years, we have watched this current administration. The Biden administration has brazenly weaponized the federal government to silence people who oppose their agenda. I think we can take some degree of encouragement uh, from the reality that the House of Representatives has formed a select committee to try to bring some degree of accountability to the federal government that obviously in so many ways has overstepped their authority. They've gone off the rails. And so as this select committee is getting started, as it's getting going, I would ask as many as you uh, as as would uh, I urge you really to join us in urging these members to take immediate action to correct and prevent this overreach of government from happening and from continuing the weaponization of our government. So here's how you can help. I'm going to ask you to text the word committee to 67742. Just take your phone and text committee to 67742, or you can go to frcaction.org slash house committee, and you can sign a petition right there to help us build momentum for this select committee to do a very effective job for the sake of our Constitution, our freedoms, our liberties for all of us. Thank you in advance for your help with that. All right, as we come now to our next guest, uh, last October, members of the First Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, unanimously voted to adopt a statement on biblical sexuality as part of the requirement for church membership. And the statement simply sets forth uh, the orthodox Christian position based on Scripture. And this is a really a common practice for churches across the country, for a variety of different organizations and nonprofits and so forth. But the local media in Florida caught wind of this change and literally created a firestorm of controversy. But how the church handled the situation and what happened next is truly remarkable, and I'm very pleased and uh, honored to welcome to the program Dr. Heath Lambert. He is a senior pastor 
at First Baptist Church in Jacksonville. He has served there since 2016. He's the author of several books, including The Great Love of God, Encountering God's Heart for a Hostile World. That will be coming out in April. So, Pastor Lambert, welcome to Washington Watch. It's an honor to have you joining us this evening. It's very good to be with you. Thank you. Well, thank you, first of all, for standing up. And uh, wow, you've got a book coming out. Maybe we'll have an opportunity to speak about that. But you are living uh, what you are just writing about right now as well. And uh, I hope we get to that. But let's begin, if you would, just kind of walk us through what happened there at the church. Yeah, so as you mentioned, we, as a whole church, uh, the church unanimously approved this biblical statement on sexuality. Uh, The church enthusiastically received it. There's no way for uh, the church to pass something like that unless they're enthusiastic about it. And uh, we gave ourselves six months to get everybody signed up, and there had not been anything going on until all of a sudden we started getting local news media requests. Um, And I would answer their questions and meet with them them. But uh, as you could somewhat predict, the media doesn't, uh, did not portray what was going on in our church and what we were trying to do uh, in a way that was honest and straightforward. Um, And so we realized, hey, we're going to have to do something to get our side of the story out. And so I announced that we were going to cancel the Sunday evening service and hold an open mic event for anybody in the community who wanted to come and hear from us directly about what we were trying to do and give me an opportunity to address their concerns and answer their questions. Well, that's amazing. And I hope our listeners and viewers caught that. You had an open mic service where people literally could uh, come and express virtually whatever. You had no idea what that was going to be expressed or talked about, but you had an open mic to address this. And I I think it's worth mentioning, too, that this was not done to draw attention deliberately to the church uh, or to create uh, a controversy. Uh, This controversy really started uh, by the local media over a simple declaration of your church that you were going to take a biblical view of marriage. And I've got to tell you, uh, Pastor Lambert, I was extremely impressed by your response as a very, very gracious uh, response and approach to the situation, and yet an uncompromising stance. So tell us about that open mic evening and what took place. Yeah, well, you know, so our the situation was it was being characterized as in fact the headlines were our church voted to oppose LGBTQ rights, uh, and there was no vote in our church to oppose actually anybody's rights. Uh, there was an effort in our church to clearly communicate what the Bible says about marriage and gender and sexuality. Uh, we wanted to do that. That's a timely thing to do because our culture is debating on that. Uh, Uh, Our members at our church teach Sunday school. They are our deacons. They're on the finance committee. We don't want confusion and debates on these core issues in our church. And so we required it of our members. and the the statement was we were LGBTQ members weren't welcome in our church. We were trying to attack them. We were trying to run them out. And so one of the things that the, the open mic event actually intended to do two things. It intended to shoot straight. Hey, let's talk about it. Let me, let me, give, let me give, give you a chance to ask me some questions. Let me give you a chance to hear from me directly about what's going on. And for anybody who thinks we don't want 
members of the LGBTQ community in our church, it gave me an opportunity to say, come on over, let's talk. Uh, and so we did. We put microphones on the floor and, uh, you know, you don't know what's going to happen when you do that. But and we got a broad uh, spectrum of questions and concerns from people who were fully supportive in our membership to people who were diametrically opposed and hate us for doing it. Uh, but I, I was thankful for the opportunity to, to be able to meet the people who came and to be able to talk to them and let them see that you can you can disagree about something. You can believe what the Bible has to say uh, without having it in for people who disbelieve uh, the message. As a matter of fact, every single one of us disbelieved the message of Scripture uh, until the Lord was kind and brought us to himself as we repented of our sins and trusted in him. The LGBTQ community is our, they're our neighbors. We love them. We, we care for them. You're talking about this book that I've written called The Great Love of God. That is, that is our message uh, in, uh, in this book. I want to show what God's character is as a heart of love and how he transforms his people into loving people. And one of the ways you love people is you tell them the truth, sometimes when that truth is something they don't want to hear. Absolutely. And one of the things that happened that uh, has picked up a lot of media attention, there was a self-identifying, uh, a, a queer-identifying woman who stepped up to the mic on that open mic evening and asserted that uh, for your church to reaffirm the biblical view of sexuality would only drive a wedge between God and those who are identifying within the LGBT plus community. I have a small snippet of what she said. And so if we can, let's play this clip. For decades, our queer community has felt ridicule, hate, bigotry, and discrimination for simply being who we are. Forcing your members to sign a contract, erasing our existence just adds to the mountains of resentment that LGBTQ plus people already have for the church at large. And I know you've already had to deal with this uh, a lot of times, but your, your response to that? Yeah, you know, I, I, first of all, I was glad she came. I, I told her she didn't stay long. She she made her statement and then she left. As I told her, as she was walking out. I'm very thankful that you came. I'm sorry that you're leaving. She's uh, welcome back uh, in our church at any time she wants. I've actually made uh, private uh, attempts to reach out to her so that we could have even a more private conversation. Uh, God loves her. Uh, I love her. Uh, you know, look, uh, oncologists know that if you love people, you got to tell them bad news. Bug inspectors know that if you love people, you got to tell them the bad news about what's in their house. Parents know that when you love your kids, you got to tell them things that sometimes they don't want to hear. And so my prayer for Katie is that she will do what I had to do and turn from her sins and trust in Jesus Christ. Um, and along the way, I hope that we could see that, hey, it's possible uh, for us to have a conversation. It's possible for us to have a relationship. It's possible for us to love one another uh, when we have even significant areas of disagreement. Well, I think that's fantastic. You know, before going to Congress, I was actually a pastor myself for uh, about 25 plus years, and we went through some pretty big battles, some of which, like you're going through now, took on some national focus, and uh, it's very difficult, very difficult to navigate a congregation through the firestorm that you're experiencing uh, right now. But overall, how have the members of your congregation responded? How are they doing? You know, that's I appreciate that question. And I got to tell you, one of my favorite things about my life 
is that I get to be the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. These are the finest group of people I've ever known in my life, the finest group of people you could ever meet. They love Jesus Christ. They love the Bible. They love each other. They love our community with all of their heart. Uh, they voted uh, enthusiastically and unanimously because they believe this statement is the truth of the Word of God. Uh, with all of their heart, they uh, have stood behind it. They stood behind me when I did this crazy thing and said, guys, we're going to open up the doors and put microphones on the floor and we're going to listen to everybody. They welcomed everybody. We gave them donuts and coffee and hot chocolate. Uh, when uh, when Katie left, we had a number of our folks who uh, ran after her to try to get her information and see if they could love her and serve her in any way. We got prayer teams uh, in our church who were praying for her and praying for those in the community. The, the thing that breaks everybody's heart is that a message that is true, a message that is old, you know, and to, it, it took until 2012 for even one state in this country to be able to pass uh, anything that would allow homosexual marriage. So we're just a little bit, a uh, little over a decade into uh, the newness of this situation. And it is amazing how quickly uh, our culture has forgotten that you could believe in marriage and you could believe that there were two genders. Uh, you could believe that sex was for marriage and not be a bigot. Uh, so it's hard on our folks to be called bigots when what we want to do is show the great love of God. We want to show care to people who are in desperate need of salvation. And we just want people to come in and, and know the Lord. We want them to turn from their sins, trust in Jesus. We want them to know a community that will love them more than they love their sexual sin. Uh, and so that's been the hard part. But our church is doing great and standing up under this very well because they're full of conviction and they're full of care. I'm thrilled to hear that. I wanted to read, actually, a statement that you made with all of this that uh, just uh, made my heart warm uh, because of the truth and the love and the compassion from which it came. But you said, we want to welcome you as we were welcomed. If you need help, we would love to serve you. If you would like to come and worship with us, you are always welcome to be part of what we are doing. Of course, when you come, we will ask you to respect our beliefs just as you want us to respect yours. But if you do come, we will welcome you, pray with you, serve you, and love you. We will also probably say some things that will challenge you. That's okay. Real love can handle disagreement. I think that's so beautifully stated, and I just appreciate so much you taking that kind of position to stand for truth, but to do so gracefully and lovingly. Uh, so you made this comment that your intention and that of First Baptist Jacksonville is not to drive the LGBTQ people in your community away from church, but rather, as you just described, we're, we're all in need of the grace of God because we're all sinners. And you, you want to make that message very clear. Uh, and so you make clear that the church does not exist to affirm sin, but to transform lives. Did you have any response from the uh, non-church members who attended with the spirit with which the meeting took place? Yes, we, we've we actually had a lot of support. Um, in fact, several people who came to the open mic uh, 
showed up, they were, they showed up ready to critique the church and ready to beg us to back down because they heard about everything from the media. But when they heard my opening remarks and they saw the actual statement, we had people that said, oh my goodness, uh, the media is getting this wrong. What you guys are doing is right. And we are standing with you. We had some people come who say they're joining our church now. Our, uh, our new members class is filled up. We've, we've maxed out our new members class for this next month. So there's been uh, a remarkably positive uh, response from many, many people. Pastor, we've only got a little over a minute, so in maybe 30 seconds or so, you're in the middle of a firestorm. And after you, it will be another church, it'll be another group. Uh, we're seeing more and more of this. How would you encourage Christians to have courage and to stand strong when the attacks like this come? You know what? I decided uh, about 25 years ago, and my church that I pastor now decided a long time before that, that what our job is, what my job is as a man, what my job is as a Christian, what my job is as a pastor, is to figure out what the Bible says, to say that clearly, and to say that compassionately. And if you say what God says, if you say it in God's tone of voice, which is always full of love and grace, if you say that, then then you can trust God with the response. There'll be haters out there, but there'll also be some who turn from their sin and trust in the Lord. And so I, we got to, these are tough times. We got to speak clearly. We got to speak compassionately and trust the Lord to be faithful. Dr. Heath Lambert, pastor, senior pastor of First Baptist Jacksonville, Florida. Thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch. And thank you for standing. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks to each of you for joining us on this Friday edition of Washington Watch. Hope you have a blessed weekend. Keep the torch ablaze. Go shine. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.